Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create your people happy happy sunday this is the create your life series i'm your host kevin y brown and it is an amazing day uh for this week's version of catch up i'm gonna have to talk about somebody very uh special to me uh one of my mentors uh marie dutton brown she had the opportunity uh the pleasure of turning 76 this week and in her 76 years she's done a lot um, especially being noted as one of the first African-Americans uh, in publishing, African-American females in the publishing industry. But upon her 76th birthday, she actually, as a still working, still working as a book agent, uh, she actually, in the last month, month and a half, has sold four books to major publishers at the age of 76 years old. And that's remarkable to me you know as I had the opportunity to take her out to dinner for her birthday you know we were sitting there and we were we were talking and one of the things that she kept saying was that people will remember uh who you are and how you make them how you make them feel but also that life is a marathon and in order to to run this race you have to do it by being yourself. And she talked about how she never sacrificed who she was and, you know, what her goals were. And when we had her on the show, she also talked about how she literally made jobs, uh, job descriptions and made demands on what it was that she wanted uh, for her time when she was working at Doubleday and at other jobs. And so that to me was a very, very remarkable story. And a wonderful person to separate I mean to celebrate and like I said you know she's one of my my role models but just that that belief you know 76 years in she said some of these people who these uh, authors that she worked with she had worked with for over seven years in order for them to create a viable product a great product to be sold and when you talk about that that passion that belief to believe in somebody else's work that much that even in your 76 years, you're still going out, still going and having meetings and lunches and still getting around New York City. And New York City is not the most kindest place for you to get around, you know, when you get up there in age. But I mean, whether she's using a cane or not, she's literally all around the city in a cab. I mean, some days I'm like, you know, I, I got to work harder. I got to work harder. I got I need to get it together. 
so that brings me to something else, which was uh, a slogan that I made up at one of my speeches that I that I had this year. And that slogan was two ears, two feet and belief. The two ears representing, you know, to listen to those who have more wisdom than you are, those who do things differently, differently. And so that would be, you know, what Miss Marie Brown represents to me. But those two feet to take action, which obviously she was doing. But that belief which is that strong, that strong thing that, that keeps you, uh, that keeps you going when all the chips are down, you know, that belief is, is definitely something that, that helps you out. So talking about belief, talking about work ethic, that brings us to who we have on this show today. And I mean, this sister is bad. When I tell you bad, like <laughs> when I tell you bad, I, I haven't even brought on the area. When I tell you bad, when I met her, you know, we hung out and when I had the opportunity to witness her work ethic, I I literally said to myself, you know what, Kevin, you're going to have to step it up. So I was like literally taking notes. because I'm like, yo, you know what? This is this this sister. She's she's the real deal and so when even when we had the opportunity we've actually rescheduled her about three times yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have rescheduled her about three times and I was like no you have to be in the studio like I literally need to see you when I'm asking you these questions it can't be over phone and she actually drove up from the DMV to Washington DC area to be here she said the buzz broke down on her <laughs> yeah it and did. she decided that because the buzz broke down she was gonna get a rental car and then she was gonna get here shout out to the husband for that. <laughs> hey, shout out to the husband, Mr. Cruz, for being clutch like that. We appreciate you, man. The Create Your Life Series family appreciate you. So without further ado, Miss Anshia Cruz, please say hi to the Create Your Life Series family. Hi, Create Your Life Series. How you guys doing? Thank you for having me, Kevin. Why Brown? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm so happy that you're here. Glad and to be here. I want to say first, congratulations on getting married in thank May. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That thank is you. a beautiful thing. Yes, it is. A beautiful thing. So I'm super happy for you. But like I said, like I don't question my work ethic that much. But when I saw you... <laughs> yeah, you always say that. I was like... I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not working hard enough. So, uh, Anshia, you are the CEO of Bryceland Entertainment. That's correct. Tell us what Bryceland Entertainment is. Bryceland Entertainment is an artist relations company, and we specialize in live show programming, talent buying, and talent booking. So, I guess we'll talk about those three areas today. Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to to go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have about um. So, I initially started my company back in 2007 when I was straight out of grad school at the new school. Shout out to the new school. Um, and it was basically me being a manager. And it wasn't until about 2010 that I decided that I had this switch in my career or my vision. So I was 23 years old at this point, And I said, you know what? I want a management company. And I was trying to figure out what the name was going to be. So I called it Tall Tales Production because it was going to be a mix of film and music mixed together. Then I said, OK, Tall was my maiden name. Um, I don't think that's going to work. So I have this unique middle name. And shout out to my dad and my mom. Shout out my, to the parents. <laughs> my middle Middle name is Bryceland, mm -hmm. um, and so I decided no one has this name. It's very unique, and I'm going to call my company Bryceland Entertainment. So that's basically where Bryceland comes from because people always ask me where did that name come from. And I have a nephew; his name is Bryce, and I'm like, "Oh, you got it from him?" And I said, "No, it's my middle name." So. <laughs> 
Um, I started as a management company, and then from there, I started working with artists because I was at the new school and I was studying film. And then I just decided, you know what? Um, I have a passion for film. I have a passion for music. Let me just go ahead and take on my first clients. And a lot of the kids at the new school, if you know anything about the new school, they have this very prestigious jazz program. And so you had Jesse Boykins, you had Bilal, Robert Glasper, those type of artists went to that went to that school. Um, Jose James, I can just keep going on. And so I was blessed to be around these type of masterminds and so there was other students at that school that said they needed management me coming from Maryland never managed anybody I said you know what I have a passion and a vision I think I'm gonna just take on this task so I like signed two artists under my Bryceland Entertainment and print in 2007 and from there they needed shows they needed to take meetings with labels and I just said I just kind of put myself in yeah in front of who, those who are those people. two artists that you that you first signed Jesse Boykins and and uh, Stephanie Curry. So okay. she's based in Nashville now doing more country music. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. See, I see you got the variations going <laughs> yeah, on there. You know music. what I mean? I love got music. Got an array. Okay. So that being said, I know you said the new school, but if I'm not mistaken, you are HBCU grad, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay. Bowie State, Bulldogs in the building. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's, I mean, it's quite Atlanta, you know, University <laughs> Panthers over here. And, yeah. All the way. And Sharice is over here with her Aggie pride, okay, you know. Aggie. <laughs> got that great G-ho. friends that went to both schools. But yes, I'm a Bowie State alum. Okay. And it's our homecoming week, so hey, I made it up here for you guys. Say that. We appreciate you. And um, if I'm, Bowie State is also uh, one of your clients, too, right? Yes, they are. Man, one I'm of trying my to clients. walk like you. They are. You know? They've been my clients since 2012. Mm. Yes. Okay. You have the the people from your from the school at the new school who you had recently signed. But where right. did that passion come from? Because at first you was talking Tall Tales. Yeah. You know. Tall Tales production. So exactly. Let's take it back. Back in the day. Take it back. <laughs> back in the day. Mm-hmm. I, I love telling this story because this is truly where, I, like, as a child, I always knew that I wanted to go in entertainment. It's you know, you go through life trying to figure out what direction. But when I was 11 years old, everybody remembers the movie. Um, uh, Crooklyn and produced by Spike Lee and I love Crooklyn I just love the cinematography of it I love the scoring of the music and I just said you know what that's really what I want to do and so since 11 years old I've just kind of been on this path to figure out whether it was music or film that I wanted to pursue um, but when I was 11 uh, my parents actually brought me a Tyco cam and I don't know if you guys remember the Tyco cam but the Tyco cam was a camera that you would connect to the VCR and you could record your family in a room so I had this psycho cam and I was like yeah I'm gonna be the next women uh, film producer because back in 94 there wasn't too many women that I could look up that were film producers or at least I didn't know about them because I grew up in the country and all I had was my TV and my imagination hey those are two so, great things shout to out have. to Spike Lee because and then the way he scored that movie was just like dope to me and I said you know what to put movie or something on a big screen together with film and music it just makes more sense to me and it's just been my liking and my path ever since. So how did you end up, like, what was the that defining moment that made you say, you know what, I'm going to roll with the with the music over the, um, so, the needy? Well, when I was an undergrad, I, and it's important for internships, I guess we'll touch base on that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an internship with Hidden Beach Records at that time. Joe Scott was a part of the label, Kendrick the Family Soul, Jeff Bradshaw, Mike Phillips, all these great people who are, right now, some of them I have the pleasure to work with. Wow. Um, and then I had also had, a, at the same time, a TV internship with TV One. And mm-hmm. TV One was just starting, so I was like their 
second tier of interns. Um, I went into an office uh, with this lady named Nikki Weber, and she was, I think, their their VP of, like, artist relations and programming for a long time. And I just kind of, like, listened to her story. And that's how I found out about the new school. But from there, I was still doing this Hidden hidden Beach intern, promoting artists and learning about them. Um, But when I got to New York, um, I got another internship with Def Jam. And Motown, so I didn't talk about that before too. So wow, both at the same time. <laughs> well, no, Def Jam was first, and then Motown. Wow. So okay. I was working in artist development under uh, Carla Picano, um, Sharon Yee, a lot of incredible executives at that moment at Def Jam, and this was the, at the time frame when L.A. Reid was um, the chair and Jay Z was president. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of, you know, growing up, I loved Suzanne DePass, and she was a film and music person from working with the Jackson Fives and so many incredible people. I just said, you know what, I really, really love music. I really think that if I switch my gears in film I'm studying film at this time but I'm interning for Def Jam right um, and I, at the, like I mentioned earlier I was still working with artists so that's kind of like me working with artists and booking artists kind of like geared me to like change my, my my path a little bit and I started doing more music related um, events okay wow so you said something I thought was really important while you were at your internship um, down at Hidden Beach, you said there was someone who taught you or told you about the new school. No, it was TV One. Oh, TV One. Nikki Weber. Right. Yes. She told you about the new school. She told me about the new school. Is this a place that she had went to? She or? actually, so she went to Rutgers <laughs> University for undergrad, and mm-hmm. then she did like, a, like a, I guess they had like this study abroad. It's not study abroad, but study at another university. She right. went to Howard for like a couple semesters, and then when she graduated, she ended up going to the new school back in the nineties. Never heard of the new school university, so I just said she here at TV One, she's an African-American woman, and she's successful, and she's working in TV, and her background was super strong, so she was someone that I admired. So I just went and did my homework on her, and I just found out what the new school was, and I said, you know what? I'm actually about to graduate soon. I'm just going to go ahead and apply. And I got in. It was like 40 students, and it was like five black people. So so I got into the new school based off of just me having that one conversation, and that's what got me to New York faster. Wow. Yeah. So how, because I think two things that you said, you know, number one, researching people to find out what their past have been. Absolutely. But that internship, how important are internships to you? So important to me. I've had three. So I just think with students, when you're an undergrad, I think that's the first thing you should be aiming for. As soon as you come in as a freshman and freshman seminar, they should be teaching you about internships. Don't wait until your junior, your senior year. Get involved, your freshman and your, you know, I even speak to high school students. I actually have a 15-year-old client and she's like, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to do that. You should go into school with a plan so what's your plan outside of school so I feel like those internships give you that job experience that you need and like for myself had I never met Nikki Weber or just had that one quick conversation with her I probably would have never known about the new school and I wouldn't have I would have definitely came to New York but I don't know when me getting into that school actually gave me some money to come to school and get here and so I was just focused but I think it's important for you to definitely strive and go out and get that internship if you can so freshmen and if it's any freshmen or sophomores listening juniors or seniors we got some high school students too yes absolutely never too late so it's never too early either never too early (laughs) in 2007 when you started Bryson Entertainment were you always uh, full time definitely not I didn't go full time until 2011 okay What's that journey like? Oh, man. Talk about it. I attempt. I worked at Lord & Teller on Fifth Avenue. It's that retail, right? Retail. I worked in the Mm -hmm. shoe department for like three years. I made my commission was strong. The grind was strong, but... 
I mean, you had to pay rent. It's New York, and it's nothing cheap. And at first, when I got here in 2005, I was here because of school, but I didn't live on a college campus. I had to, you know, pay for rent. My parents, my parents actually helped pay half of my rent, and I paid the other half, so I had to work. Um, but like I said, 2007, it was just the vision. That was the imprint. That was the foundation that I was starting, and I knew mm-hmm. that I had this goal of wanting to have this company, but I still had to pay my bills, and I still had to eat. So I tempted a lot of different places but then also too in 2006 um, coming because I was at the new school I did an interview with a company called Central Park Summer Stage Right. and I was just actually going to try to apply to be an intern with them but they liked me and they brought me on as a production assistant and so I started working in children's theater and working in music programming and I was with them for six seasons so I worked throughout the whole entire time frame and did a lot of different like side jobs here and there a lot of production jobs too how did you keep your motivation when you were doing these side jobs because I know sometimes as entrepreneurs you know we don't want to get too caught up in doing other types of jobs because we feel like it's taken away from our big goal like how did you stay motivated for me it was a sacrifice and it's this thing called GPS system I call it God's positioning system (laughs) Oh, Um, I I just for me yeah but it was in a book called The Energy Bus you should definitely read it by John Gordon. Right, John, um, the energy bus by Gon, John, John Gordon. Gordon. Okay. But for me, it's just God. It's always, I've been a person that's always known what they wanted to do, so I was focused. Um, mm-hmm. And I just kept pressing for the next day and for tomorrow, and I just stayed motivated because I knew, even though I might have been in a, a, a season of a drought almost, mm-hmm. I knew that I was going to get to my promised land. So I just stayed focused, and for me, God is everything. That's really kind of my focal point even now, and that keeps me motivated. So you, you're talking about almost being at that at that broken point or that breaking point. Yeah, I had a couple. Yeah. Talk to us about that time when you were on your cousin's couch for about seven months. Seven months. So, yeah, I was going through some things in 2009, 2010, at the in 2008 time frame. And that was like kind of when, really when the economy was kind of like down and Taking out. Yeah, so you, you talking about living in New York City in 2008 through 2010. And it was just hard. I couldn't find a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and my summer stage gig was seasonal. So it was like I didn't, I didn't have means of like working with them throughout the year. So I just... You know, I went through some hard stuff and me and my roommate actually went separate ways. And then I was just like, my mom said, you can always come home. And I was the one thing to me was never to go back home. We share that. Never go back home. We share that sentiment. I'm not, (laughs) I love the V, but I am not going back. I'm going to keep moving forward. Moving forward. And Mm -hmm. so that always kind of like stuck in my head. Like, I know that there's a resting place for me, but in this hard season, I'm not going home. So my cousin actually was funny. I was on a bus and I lived in Jersey at the time. And she just so happened to be on a bus. I hadn't seen my cousin in years. Okay. She just so happened to live in Hackensack, Jersey, um, New Jersey, down the street from me from where I was moving from mm. and then I was like oh my god Nicole totally lost contact shoot long distance cousin and we sat right e- by each other on the bus and that was kind of like God right. he put GPS. us on, this, on my GPS he put us on the same bus at the same time in the same seat how ironic is that? A cousin that I haven't seen in years. And so I was just telling her a little bit about my situation, um, possibly having to go home. I'm not sure what I was going to do. And she was like, oh, you can come stay on my couch. 
for seven months. Well, she didn't say for seven right, months. Right, right. She's like she two was, weeks, she and then like, two weeks turned into a month. Yeah, month turned into- <laughs> it turned, but I had a plan, and I had a goal, and she understood that. Right. So I ended up moving in with her, and I lived on her couch for seven months, and then close to that seven months, she was like, yeah, I think it's time for you to start finding your own place. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> it is mm. time. Um, but yeah, I'm thankful. Wait, shout al- out to Nicole. She allowed, Shout out to Nicole for, you know, supporting the entrepreneurial grind. Yeah, yeah. But she allowed you to, to get your footing, right? Yeah, she did. And yeah. that's huge because I, I feel like a lot of times people just expect for you to just turn it all around like that quick in a week yeah. or in, in a couple of days. And you're kind of like, bro, this is going to take a little bit of time. But I yeah. promise you, I'm forever indebted. Yes. And not <laughs> even that. Like, she allowed me to stay on her couch, but she also helped me get a job with a celebrity. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and... So I'll always be forever grateful for her in mm-hmm. that season. So yeah, shout out to Nicole. Right. People, <laughs> reasons for seasons. But I got off the couch. So <laughs> hey, yeah. So during that time, you're on the couch. You got your cousin there who's supporting you. How did you stay motivated? How did you get yourself out of that situation? Because I know on a day to day, I sometimes I'm looking at myself in the mirror like you got this, and then some days I just want to keep my head in the pillow. Yeah, <laughs> for me, um, at that time, uh, once I got in the, you know, basically moved in with her. Um, a lot of things started happening for me. I then got a job because at the moment I wasn't working before I moved in with mm-hmm. her. Where'd you work? Um, I worked for a nonprofit for okay. a celebrity. Her okay. name is Mary J. Blige. Okay. I've heard of her. We've heard of her around here. Mary J. Blige. Right, right. <laughs> and so I was able to start saving money. Mm-hmm. Uh, start saving money. And I just still had Bryceland. I never lost focus of my company. Right. And for me, my company is my baby. It's always been my motivation. It's like raising a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was my my motivation was like, okay, now I have this job and now I'm in a, a greater network situation where I can now network with the type of people that I want to do business with outside with the built-in relationships that even Mary had. Mm-hmm. I started meeting more and more dynamic people. And so for me, that was my motivation was like, okay, I see where I'm at right here, but I still don't want to be here either. So I still want to take my company full time. So that was, Bryceland has always been my motivation. And so whether, like I said, whether I was on that couch, whether I didn't have any money or didn't have food at the time or whatever the case may be, I always had home. And I just always had that dream of that 11-year-old child who wanted to be successful in entertainment. Mm. So, Were there any any uh, particular friends or anything said by friends that, uh, that helped you to stay on that journey? I say that because, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes we're very motivated by ourselves, yeah. but we still need that extra push from time to right. time. So were there any like particular yeah. words of inspiration that anyone well, said to you? Well, not really words of inspiration, but I I like to you know surround myself around like minded people. Okay. And you know some people in my circle, and you see how we all get down. So right, right, shout right. out to Raphael Gordon, you know, motivational speaker. Yeah, Raphael. But dope. I surround myself around positive people and around people that are, are movers and shakers. So mm-hmm. you know, for me, having those people in my circle and even going to church too um, was something that made me want to keep pus- pushing on. And so my friends have always been supportive of some of the negative Nancys are probably not in my life right now right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I still kind of still have some of the same friends that I had when I first moved here so they just kind of like uplifted me and even in my dark seasons a lot of my friends 
have been there, paid bills for me, you know, gave me food when I was hungry. So shout out to all the real good friends, but just not a particular word or saying or slogan that they gave me. It was just them being there as a support system for me. A tribe. A tribe. That particular and tribe. And you right. need that in New York when you're a transplant. So. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like, yeah, you have so many different stories of when, you know, yeah, you when your friends lot. come through yeah. clutch and you went from New York to Jersey school yeah. and everything. I here. went from being 21 years old to now being a 33 year old woman. So, <laughs> 21 year old huh. child. Yeah. Just nah. trying to make it. Just trying to make it. Nah, yeah, I don't, the trying part is a little bit, you know, hey. past. You're you doing it. Okay. You're doing it. Doing. You know, right. so definitely shout out to that. When we started the show, we actually had Mr. Aaron Camper and we were playing My Heart. Awesome. So, thank you so much, uh, Anshia, oh, for. Thank you for playing their music. Providing these, these cool tracks. Tracks, man. Like, I'm, I'm feeling. Yeah, they, I love the people I work with. I'm telling you, they make great music, and they all can perform great too. That's a blessing to yeah. to love the people that you work with, and also you know love what you're doing, executing your passion. How do you decide which artists that you're gonna work with? Hmm, good question. I am so picky. I'm very picky and very particular. Um, well, back in the day, artists needed me to work with them, and I just needed a client base. True. And now, I mean, I do get a lot of people that come to me, but really, as for me, it's about the performance. It's about the music. Mm-hmm. And if I can feel it and it's in my heart, then I'm going to work with you. How important is work ethic when you're dealing with artists? Oh, it's so important because, I mean, we're working nonstop, 24-7. Mm-hmm. And so, in, in this business, you got to be ready to grind. And my model in life is just do it, like Nike. Right. So you got to always have on your running shoes. So work ethic to me is very important because if you don't have a strong one, then this business is just not for you. Mm. Real talk. Mm. So well, if an artist is out there aspiring and need to work with an agency such as yours, then what would it, what would be some three things that you're some looking tips. for in an artist? Um, definitely that they have a plan. They have a purpose, and they already have their own machine moving. Um, when I was first starting out, I was working with artists, and I was kind of like just basically at the beginning steps of their stages. And now because of my my work schedule, I'm not really there to develop an artist. So for me, it's really if you got your own kind of team, you got your own publicist, you got your own project out, and, and you believe in yourself, those things are important to me. Um, so for me, it's kind of like almost like the, the machine has to be moving in order for me to to get on board with you. You got to invest in yourself. Yeah, you got to invest in, in yourself, most importantly. Speaking of investing in yourself, yeah. there was a point where you were unemployed and you were taking those unemployment checks and I dumping them in the Bryson Entertainment. <laughs> Shout out to the yeah. state of New York. <laughs> huh, keeping the dream yeah. alive, state you of New York. too much. <laughs> hey, I, no, we do our research I'm around I'm telling it. you, 2011, when that nonprofit folded, and Lori, I mean, she's been with me since 2011. My my girl, one of my good friends, Lori, uh, Lori Lord, she just got married to last year. Okay, congratulations, um, Lori. But yeah, I was taking my unemployment check that I was getting every week. And I said, you know what? I'm going to put this into my baby. I didn't go shopping. I didn't go spend it on crazy trips. But I put it into Bryceland. You know, I got a new website. I was able to take on some more team members and some more consulting roles. And I just kind of, like, lived and I paid my rent and I applied it to Bryceland. So I have, since 2007 and really 2011, invested in myself. And I'm very proud of that. Even, hey, any way that you can make it happen for yourself, hey, they were paying me. 
and now I don't need unemployment checks. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, you got to you got to start. The grind Thank is real. God for that. <laughs> now you've spoken about internships, the importance of them, and you've yeah. also spoken about work ethic. Mm-hmm. You have a gentleman who works with you, yes. uh, Kevin. Yes. Who is actually from overseas? Correct. He's from Paris. He's from he's Paris. Probably listening right now. And too. lives in Paris, right? He lives in Paris, and he's from Paris. We talking about internship work ethic. This brother had to chase you down for how many months? Man, like four. Like four like months. Four months. In order to intern with you. Yeah. Shout out to Kevin. And if you're listening, you guys, I love Kevin. He's my like right hand. Mm. But yeah, for four months, you know, anytime you get an inquiry from overseas, you're kind of like, I don't know about sketchy. that. It's a little sketchy. Right. Uh, but then I started doing my research on him. As he was researching me, I was researching him. And so at the time, my then uh, boyfriend, LeVar, and I actually decided that we were going to take a trip to Europe. And I said, you know, Kevin keeps reaching out to me. So How often was he reaching? I mean, he was daily. I mean, daily. From, like, the time frame of, like, January through March, I heard from him, like, almost every other week. And then he took a break. And then I didn't hear from him again, but then I heard from him again. And then he said, well, I reached out to him and I said, you know what? Since, you know, you were really good at communicating with me. And so I'm actually coming to Paris and I would like to meet you. And in the time frame of me doing my research on him, I found out he loved music. I found out he did do an internship in New York City in a, in a music label, too. And he just liked the same artist that I liked. And he likes the artists that I work with. So for me, he already knew everything about Bryceland. He knew, like, my steps. And I think, you know, when you're going after an internship or for any company, we always, my, my key thing is always research. Do your homework. Find out who those people are. And so I like that. And then because he was persistent. So, with that being said, we took this trip to Paris, and when we met him, he came to our hotel. I, like, fell in love with him, and so did LeVar. (laughs) We loved him, and we just clicked. So, I offered him an internship, and then once that, he was with me for a whole year interning and doing everything from overseas, and then he did come here throughout some time frames and work with me in in person, and I just, like, loved his work ethic. I loved everything. Was this internship for free? I just got to ask. Yeah, it was for free. Because sometimes people always are saying, oh, well, if you're not going to pay me, I'm not going to do anything, this, that, and that. I'm and like, you look, gotta, man, you got to you gotta right. pay your and dues, And you got to think, when he first started interning with me, he was in Paris. He wasn't even here. Right. And then he came here on his own and still worked with me. On his own on dime. And was not getting paid. That's passion and, so and I dedication. Res- I, dedication, and I respect him mm-hmm. to this day for that. So a year went by, and I just said, you know what? We're booking agents, so the way we make our money is based off a of commission. Right. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to assign you to some artists, and I want you to go out and book them, and you'll get paid that way. Because yes. <laughs> it's hard out here. So show me what you're made of. And he did. And now we have him on a, a monthly retainer. Um, so it's, I really don't have like a full-time, full-time in-house like building for staff. But he does work with me full-time. And he's on a retainer. And he also gets a commission off of his bookings as well. Wow. That Talk about the evolution of a relationship. Man. And to, to make things just become that much grander, yeah. you know, the grander scheme, because it's always important for somebody else to be tied into the vision if they're going to be on a team. So whether they're full time, part time, yeah. sometime, as long as they're tied to that vision. Then well, they got to understand difference. the vision and right. he understood and understand the business and the business, the right. vision and the business, especially mm-hmm. in our business. And he understood that about Bryceland. I just said, you know what? I have to keep him on my team, whatever means necessary. Mm-hmm. I'll keep him on my team. And he was learning and he's still learning, but he's doing a great job. So. So 
One of the biggest things is is that sometimes in the music industry, it's hard to make that money. It's hard to make money. It's hard to make yeah, money, especially when you're out there trying to make it for yourself. Yeah. So how did you guys come up with your new uh, strategy? I understand you have a different Honestly, way of doing things now. Honestly, truthfully, like in 2013, and we talked to Sharice. Sharice, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Sharice that works with Kevin, everybody. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> she's this amazing. Is my, that's, that's, my, that's my right hand. <laughs> yeah, that's my right her. hand. We had a great conversation back this summer. But... Um, it wasn't until me and my then boyfriend reconnected. Who is now? He's my husband. Okay. Um, we reconnected. So, Mr. Crooms. Yeah, we reconnected, and he's a businessman. Um, mm-hmm. He okay. works at. He does uh, commercial real estate for M and T Bank, and he's a business guy. And so, for me, he helped me develop my plan. Because before, to me, yes, I was making some money, but I was just doing things, and by doing things, it's just anything, and not yeah. really having a true plan behind it. Or, and then he he showed he helped me write this plan, and then he helped me understand how I can make money. When I started to realize what that plan looked like on paper, because he always says write things down, and for us, especially in technology, we write everything on our computer, but sometimes we don't go back to it. But I, I for whatever reason, I collect a lot of journals, but I would never write my my plan plan down every day. Right. I would type it out or put it in my cell phone on my notes. So he just says, yeah, you got to learn to write your plan down. And on that paper, you can really see where you're trying to go and then write down how much things cost and a budget. And so he really kind of helped me shape my finances for Bryceland and the type of programming that I was going to do. And then some of the programming ideas that myself and my team, Trish, Kevin, Sweetlocks, all of us came, Heather, all of us came up with. We came up with some great programming that would then help us make money and for me to be able to pay them every time they work with me. So it's just creating the programming that works and it makes sense dollar wise. How did you come to the point where you felt that you needed to listen to LeVar, Mr. Croom, your husband? Because to me, he's sm- he's a smart guy. Right. And he's successful in his business. And I really admire his work ethic. And I mean, he's he's our age. He's 33. Mm-hmm. And he's been in banking almost 10 years. And I mean, for him to come from where he's come from and and just grow. And then I just he's like a he's like a genius. To me, okay. <laughs> All like right. Shout out to the to geniuses yeah, out there. He's like a genius, and so for me, it's like a lot of the things that he was saying was things I was thinking, but I wasn't really thinking or acting upon. Acting upon it. So I just said, you know what? Here's another um, voice that I need to listen to, and what he's saying is making sense. And why not go with it? And since then, things have been making more sense. Really, since 2013. Okay. So once you laid out that plan, that's when the expansion happened. Yeah. And now- I could really see where I was trying to go. Uh, I could really see where okay. I was trying to go. And so does he assist you in other areas of your business as well? or? Um, not. I mean, he's like my solid partner on right. some of my programming, you know, financially. But other than that, I mean, yeah, I'll take that back. I mean, we have a couple artists that he's worked with. You know, he does a lot with Aaron Camper. He's done a lot for him. Um, but other than that, just a solid partner, right. voice of reason. Like but the a, partner, you know what I mean? Because what I'm getting at is the... The understanding and the need to have that balance. Yeah. And somebody else who might be close to what you're doing, but not in it. And another thing, too, I'm super creative. I'm like this creative mind. I can go and program anything, but I'm not talking dollar signs. And for me, he's that business. Absolutely. So that's the balance for me. It's creativity versus meets the business. Yep. Yin and yang. Makes perfect sense. So now you have a team of how many? 
I have is how how that well, I got a couple different teams. Okay, okay. So Squad. My, for my my marketing account for Bethesda Blues and Jazz, I have Lori and Tiffany. Say that name again. That's one of your clients. Bethesda Blues and Jazz. And what do you do club. for them? I oversee their marketing and promotions department. And how many shows a month did you tell me? Earlier? Like thirty shows a month. 30 shows a month. Yeah. Ooh. So I have two young Sister ladies. Is busy. <laughs> I have two young ladies working with me on that account. So that's Lori and uh who's here with me today and Tiffany Sweetlocks Taylor. And okay. then I have on my programming side I have uh four other people. Okay. And so if I'm not mistaken, a lot of the people who are working with you are friends. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. They're family. I'm Friend, gonna say I'm gonna say family. Friends. Yeah, yeah, friends, family. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm asking because you know, as we usually, as we evolve yeah. and we start to do things differently, our peer group oftentimes it changes. Mm-hmm. So what has been, are you primarily rocking with the same people since 2007? Or, you no. know, you got a lot of new additions? What's going no, on? No, 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 no. Honestly, I mean, I've been rocking with the same people. Well, 2007 was really just me. <clears throat> and then 2000, end of 2007, 2008, Tiffany and a young lady named Kai came on board um, and started working with, working with me. And they were with me for two years. And then we just kind of like parted our ways because sometimes working with friends does not mix. Um, but since 2000, since 2012, 2013, I've had the same team. Mm-hmm. Trish, Heather, Kevin. Since you and your husband laid out that plan. Yeah, since we laid that plan out. How do you balance work and life? <laughs> because, you you yeah. know, your husband is kind of, he's a silent partner. Yeah. So how do you balance that to make sure that whatever's going on outside doesn't come into the household? What you just got to take time. I, I remember in the beginning of our relationship, all I was doing was working. And then mm-hmm. my conversations with him would be straight work. And sometimes it still is because when you're an entrepreneur, I mean, you're always working. You live this. Yeah, you live the life that you're it. breathing. So um, for me, it's just really taking that time out and separating the two. Mm-hmm. Um, he does, like I said, he does a little bit with me in, in business so we talk about stuff there but we do take those times and I think for us before we got married we were in marriage counseling and we talked about our plans and our goals and even having date night you know it's a time to separate the business from your relationship and it's just taking the the big thing is the time you got to make time for the things that you you love and I love him, so right. I have to make that time, and I have to now learn how to be his wife and separate and balance things. But he, you know, it's a working process. I've only been married for a couple months, so hey, it's a working process. But yeah. a friend, you know, way before the marriage, so yeah. you know, you guys have time uh, together. And we're friends. We're friends. So you know, even when we do talk about work, it's it's never like over too 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 much. But when it becomes too much, he tells me, and then I you know try to back off from that. I keep hearing something from you, yeah, and that's listening. Yeah. The power of it. And I think that that is something that that and planning are two aspects of entrepreneurship that are not celebrated enough. And the the listening is listening to the right people, the experts, like you said, you know, your husband, he's been doing this for months. Mm -hmm. I mean, for years in his respected field. So you have that respect for him. So you're down to listen to his voice. Um, We. I want to know what what has been some of the most challenging aspects of entrepreneurship for you. It really, especially as a, I want to take it a step further, especially as a female in a male dominated industry as a booking. Uh, uh, yeah, agent. for me, um, I always get asked this question too. Um, when I first started out, people did not take me serious because I was young. You got to remember, I was 23. Mm-hmm. And at 23, I was every month in, in New York City, I was producing a show. 
And so it wasn't until I started to build my resume or my portfolio in Bryceland that people started to take me serious. And because I didn't have a name, sometimes having no name, people really don't want to work with you. So it wasn't until I really kind of got connected with Eric Robeson and some other type of artist that said that could now vouch for me of who I was and how I work. And then people started to see, oh, you work with Eric? Okay, well, you might, he, if he's working with you, then... I guess you're good, you know, and then being in the music industry, it's a very male dominated industry. And so you're always having to prove yourself. And then especially particularly in, in booking, you you find less women, but you find not even a lot of African-American men. You find more Caucasian men who really don't take you serious. So I've had a couple different booking agents and buyers in the past that have basically, you know, said, well, we're not going to answer you. I had the buyer from the from B.B. King's. For like six months straight, not contact me. Not re- you know, and it wasn't until I came with him with a, a decent package and what I was really trying to do for whatever reason, he took me serious at, at this particular point. Now I was able to bring Eric Robeson into BB Kings and we sell out all the time. So now he's like, yeah, we work with Anshia. She makes us money because all they care about is you making the money. Right. So, so when I started proving to people that I could make money for their company, or for their uh, particular venues, then people started to take me serious. And then also building with a lot of the different owners in New York City, like Larry Gold from SOBs, really, really dope person that I know. I've known mm-hmm. him thanks to Eric and just by being an average goer for Soul Village throughout the years. These are the type of people that were now in my network that could then go and call somebody for me. How did you build those relationships with those people? By just showing up at the right places at the right time and continually to go. What do you do when you show up? I mean, for like, for example, for SOBs, I kept showing up and I just wasn't your average goer. Right. I start saying, hey, do you need help? And then because I worked at Central Park Summer Stage, my old boss, Erica Elliott, worked there. She was a buyer for a long time at SOBs. When I buyer meaning? Talent buyer. Okay. Yeah, talent buyer. You buy talent for venues or universities. Okay. Um, I, I was able to say, oh, wow, Erica, well, she worked here at SOBs. Um, do you know Erica Elliott? And he said, yeah, she worked for me for a long time. And I was like, well, I, I used to work for her. Little I name dropper? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, of yeah, course. I have okay. to. Because these are people that I respect. Mm-hmm. And if, if it wasn't for them on my journey, I don't, you know, I probably would have been, I wouldn't be here. Okay. So um, just by, you know, showing up, asking questions and making myself present. Right. In the moment, so you there and you're actually being vocal, having, making sure that they know who you are. Conversation, because to me, we conversations always, with the right people, with the right people, not just right with people. anybody. Exactly. And so for me, we always know the, the favorite slogan that people say: "Your network is your net worth." For me, Absolutely. I take that very serious. Every okay. time I go into a situation, because especially in the music industry, there's so many parties and so many networking events, but everybody wants your business card, but nobody follows up with you. Absolutely. And for me, it's always about the follow up because in a booking follow-up. agent, you got to follow up. Absolutely. So make those phone calls, stay in people's face, and be present. Mm-hmm. Three tips, three to five tips right now for somebody looking to build a booking agency or do something amazing like you were doing with Bryceland. Well, just in the, in the industry period, I think you should write your plan down. I think you need to have a vision. You need to invest in yourself, and you need to learn how to market yourself. You okay. know, so market yourself, invest in yourself, um, have a vision, write a plan. Vision, write a plan. Okay. Yeah. Uh, real quick, what is next for Bryceland Entertainment? Where are you guys going? Well, how, What's happening? let's just talk about this week. We, you know, we can always talk about the future, but I'm in the present moment right now. Let's so in the it. present moment, we are coming up on Bowie State's um, homecoming. 
and we are one of the producers for their throwback comedy and concert which we're going to be having uh, Drew Hill Trina and Backyard Band if you're from the DMV area then you know about Backyard and Go-Go so we are the producer of that event and Bryceland we booked the talent and we're producing the concert so that's what we have going on right now and then for 2016 I want to do a lot more programming concerts and, and a music summit too Oh, that would be really cool. Yeah, kind of basically really cool. kind of just kind of marketing my clients, the way we're doing with radio right now, marketing my clients so that people can see. I have songwriters, I have musicians, I have it all. On and my venue. And, and venue on my roster. Mm. So, yeah, that's what we want to do next. That's okay. what we're working on. That's amazing. Well, Ms. Crooms, thank you so much for coming in and being a part of the Create Your Life series family. Thank you guys for having me. Yes, we're going to have to get you up here. And, of course, any of your artists, man, we love to yeah, interview yeah. them, talk about you know their work ethic. What it takes to become a successful. Well, I will say this: Aaron um, Camper is having an album come out soon. It's called Blue. Okay. Better left left on wax. Oh. Um, it's like coming that. out in November. Okay. And then Eric Robeson is dropping a new album February 2017, February March. So definitely we'll bring them back up. Oh, looking very very forward to having them on here. Well, thank you. And we create your life series family. We're gonna cut to a quick musical break. We're gonna hear some uh, hypnotizing by Aaron Camper, and then we are going to come back and do a recap on all these jewels that Miss Anshia has dropped on us. Today's episode of the Create Your Life series, we had the opportunity to have the beautiful uh, Miss Anshia Crooms from Bryceland Entertainment drop so many jewels on us and tell us what it's like to to dominate our yeah to dominate the the booking and uh, industry uh, of music and make things happen. So some of the tips that we got from her were that you know to read this book called Energy Bust by John Gordon yeah, number one because that that is the GPS and that I forget what she said the GPS stood for God's positioning system God's positioning system and then also to uh, to intern you know to take those uh, those steps you know and that she had an intern who interned for a year and was completely dedicated he had also researched what it was that her company was about knew it inside and out like the actual artist so he really cared about what Bryceland Entertainment did he interned for a year for free also flew himself to New York from Paris and worked with her on side of her and now basically is on retainer and is a very integral part of her business. So always be willing to put in the work to, you know, to put the put some skin in the game, as I like to call it. And then also she said that writing out a plan uh, is one of the most important things that she did. She said she's seen tons of growth from the time in 2013 up until now that she's ran her company and for she's been in business for set for nine years and the last three have been her biggest in terms of growth because she had a plan so I want you to always take that and then another thing that I kept hearing her say was listen to the experts and she talked about how she listened to her husband because her husband has been uh, an expert and has been successful in his particular industry. So when he came to her with advice, she respected him and she thought that it was important to take on what he did. And little did she know that by doing that, boom, she's seen such growth in the last three years. And so also she said that balance is important. Absolutely. <laughs> so always, you know, be be excited and be willing to balance. Make time for the things that you love. Yes. And of course, market yourself. Market yourself, market yourself. So create your life series family. If you have any questions for us, you want to uh, send some messages for Anshia, feel free to uh, to reach out to us uh, at CYL series on social media on our Instagram. And then you can send an email to admin at Legacy Thinking Labs as well. And so this is the Create Your Life series. Happy Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day. 
This episode of the Create Your Life series is brought to you by Manna's Soul Food and Salad Bar Restaurant in Harlem, New York. Manna's is open seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Manna's has been serving soul food in Harlem for 31 years. They have now added healthier options to their 8th Avenue locations menu, such as steamed dumplings, a fresh salad bar, and all of their food is cooked with fresh herbs like garlic, rosemary, thyme, basil, and ginger. You can find out which location is close to you by visiting their website, soulfood.com. 